It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit basketball. We're blitzing him. I tell you what, he made some long shots, but that's who he is. That's what we talked about before the game, how deep he shot it. Um, and again, you can't relax in that situation. You got to have attention to detail. I thought LG came in and did a better job. Bruce, the second half, did a better job than he did the first half. Um, uh, again, you can't you can't relax. So even if you're blitzing him, you got to get up and try to keep him from getting it back because he's going to keep working to get it. He kept working to get it indeed. What is happening? And welcome to the Lockdown Pistons podcast, your episode for Friday, October 25th. And Trey Young cooks the Pistons. This is your boy, Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering the NBA for the Detroit News and Associated Press, Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word about the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Today we're going to run down the action from Thursday's home opening loss against the Atlanta Hawks. I'm going to give you my three biggest takeaways from the game, and we're also going to look ahead to Saturday night against the Philadelphia 76ers as Joel Embiid and company come to Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit. Still looking for your predictions if you want to get them out there. No reason to change your early predictions unless you're banking on more Blake Griffin injury uh, stretching pretty far into the beginning of the season, but as far as two games in, one and one, uh, nothing really should change your predictions so far. 810-666-1546. Call the Google voicemail line, 810-666-1546. And uh, give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, also, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that, and also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. But the Pistons dropped the home opener on Thursday. At Little Caesars Arena, I was in the house, dropping the Pistons to 1-1 one and one on the season, where we expected them to be, 500 team right now in every sense of the word, just like they finished last season. An unexpected win and an unexpected loss, frankly. So now we just have to figure out a way to make this turn into not a three-game losing streak of home games in the next few days 
dropping this team to one and four, possibly one and five after that. I mean, you got Philly on Saturday, Indiana again on Monday, looking for revenge, and then plus road games next week at Toronto and Chicago. A tough stretch coming up here. Um, you can envision a scenario where this goes south real quick without your best player, Blake Griffin. But on Thursday, Pistons lose 117-100 to 100 to the Atlanta Hawks, a butt-whooping from a young team that I'm going to hold the phone on on calling a playoff contender. Still not a red-letter game in my book. Um, and you know who else isn't a playoff contender, by the way, uh, as you should know by now, is the, Bra- the Blake Griffin-less Pistons, and more on that later. But Derrick Rose off the bench, he was fantastic again. 27 points, the back-to-back playing effectively on both of those dates despite the the brittle injury history that we know about, the minutes restrictions, all that good stuff. He was great, really stepping up. Obviously the Pistons' best point guard right now. And uh, Andre Drummond, I thought he was a little ragged after a decent start to the game on Thursday night, 21-12. and 12. Um, But I think that pretty much sums up the whole team, pretty ragged after a decent start outside of Derrick Rose's brilliance uh, most of the game, really. Uh, Luke Kennard... Lost his mojo around halftime, went out with what some of the guys were saying looked like a hand or wrist injury, then turned into tentative canard that we know so well from the last couple years after that. His three-pointers helped contribute to a strong second quarter, which gave Detroit a 63-60 lead at halftime against the Hawks, despite falling down early. Luke ended up with uh, 13 points, but again, ragged after a decent start. And really nothing of note from anyone else, which is something we'll address later, but... uh, Overall, Trey Young was the story, the second-year guy out of Oklahoma. 38 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. He was fantastic. 6 of 10 from three-point land, hitting shots from the logo. Uh, unbelievable. I, think the re- I saw it you know, happen live, obviously, right in front of me, but to see it on TV is almost like more impressive because live, maybe the, the, the distance of your sitting down courtside doesn't quite register with how difficult and long these shots are because you know every three-pointer seems kind of long when you're sitting up there you're not in the game playing obviously like you might uh, have more of a a grasp of distances but it's one of those things where actually looks more impressive on tv than it does uh live if you if you can understand what i'm getting at there um somehow despite the the six of ten and everyone throwing around the uh the silly steph steph curry comparisons you know, Trey, Trey Young is still not an elite shooter. He might become one someday, but worth noting, it's a 32% shooter from three last year. But what he is is a heat check shooter. He can get real hot. Um, he obviously has outstanding range of makeable shots, more so than uh, your average player and even your average very good shooter. But I was really impressed with him as a playmaker. It's something that we all kind of knew about him, obviously. But I'm thinking of a pick-and-roll play where he split the two defenders to find the roller with a really nice uh, quick uh, shot that went through uh, the passing lane. Uh, also thinking of his ability to go, get past the defender off the dribble. We knew that would be an issue with guys that would be defending him um, and dumping it off against the helper, You know, setting up the game-clinching basket with about two minutes left, things like that. Although it was already in the, the Rod Beard uh, hashtag start writing zone by then with about four and a half minutes left in the game. Uh, but you know, disappointingly, Bruce Brown truly struggled on defense in the first half, first quarter particularly, against Trey Young. Uh, Langston Galloway was a lot better, slowed down Trey Young in the second quarter, and then uh, by the end of the game, the legs of uh, the Pistons' offense went completely into the garbage. Um, thought that they were just getting – and this, Dwayne, this is something I tweeted, and Dwayne Casey agreed with me uh, in the postgame 
press conference just said that they didn't move the ball enough. They'd get uh, one pass onto the wing, and then he'd get right into the pick and roll. Too many times Andre Drummond would take the ball down the court, put his butt down, and uh, and post up, or maybe a one, uh, you know, one of the wings or guards would bring it up in a one-pass entry into Andre Drummond. And we know that Drummond post-ups are generally bad offense anyway, but especially when you're talking about possession after possession, that there's not enough ball movement before they get into it. And uh, glad to hear that the coach backed me up on that assessment there. And then, like I said, the Pistons ran out of gas late offensively and defensively off the back-to-back. The only team in the NBA to play a back-to-back for their first two games, Detroit versus everybody. Um, A lot of it because the Red Wings play at home tomorrow. That's the way it is. One of the disadvantages of being the second-class citizen of a multi-use facility, which is something the Pistons have to deal with. And hopefully... It balances out throughout the season, and uh, you know things aren't as dire schedule-wise uh, for the Pistons. A team that we remember has a pretty easy uh, before All-Star break uh, schedule, all things considered, comparatively speaking. So this should be the time, part of the year, that the Pistons should be feasting, although we know with Griffin out, that's going to be a lot more difficult than originally thought when the schedules came out a few months back. But Manscaped, it's the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. The weekend's coming up. You know what you need to do for the uh, area down there. So 20% off, free shipping with the promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Up next, I'm going to give you my three biggest takeaways from Thursday night that's coming up next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast. Yes, sir! This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right a little bit later on, we're going to look ahead to Saturday night back in downtown Detroit against the Philadelphia 76ers. But before we get into my three biggest takeaways, I wanted to mention again uh, the Bruce Brown. I talked about his struggles against, defensively against Trey Young. I was at the game covering it, was in the postgame locker room, and it's you know one of those scrums, and it's the home opener, so there's more media there than there might be for the December games against the New York Knicks or whatever. So uh, it's just kind of a packed house. You're just kind of sticking your recorder out there, getting some audio and getting some uh, quotes for the AP story and all that good stuff. And uh, so really couldn't even really hear what Bruce Brown is saying. I don't have good ears to begin with, as you know, uh, the the old age creeping up. Uh, kids, if you're listening, get ready for that. But uh, went back and listened to it, and, and Bruce was, after a loss, as all athletes kind of do, as any of us would too, if we were professional athletes who had just lost a disappointing game. But you get kind of the mumbles going. So it's just tough to hear what these guys are saying. And so furthermore, he, I went back and listened to it, didn't realize it at the time, but in a quick interview where Bruce Brown was asked maybe like five questions, uh, he 
made a point to say that he's looking forward to playing in a couple weeks again against Trey Young. So we were going to have a super motivated Bruce Brown in that one. Don't know how much the effort uh, was an issue here and don't know how much of a change that will mean. But uh, you'll have a super dialed in Bruce Brown on November 22nd in the return matchup against Trey Young. Might worth be uh, one of those things you might keep in mind for the uh, mybookie.ag type of situations. But getting into the three most important things, I don't quite consider that the most important takeaways. Um, and this is kind of a format that I like for the second segment after games like this is just kind of these three bullet points. And we don't want to repeat these things over and over again. So maybe we'll switch up the formats as we go uh, during the season. But number one, and I'm going to go in reverse order here of importance, uh, close with the most important thing, get this first thing out of the way, and it's the Christian Wood thing. Um, again, least important thing. He got the DNP, um, and I know he's kind of turned into a cult hero now. And and I'm and I like Christian Wood, and and you might get sick of me kind of riding the fence on some of this stuff. Uh, I thought he no brainer that he should have made the team, no doubt about that. But Dwayne Casey said it himself after the game, kicking himself that he didn't get uh, Christian Wood some minutes in there. He said that the team was playing bad enough defense that you might as well get Wood in there, and I agree with that. Uh, we saw what this guy could do in the preseason. Uh, maybe he's a guy that thrives in front of the home crowd, like a lot of reserves do. Um, and at least the guy who, he's a guy who can make plays, make a difference. So he can fill it up uh, points-wise, grab some rebounds. And uh, thinking about guys who can fill it up points-wise, by the way, where is Fima Kailuk? Um, a guy you can, you know, guys you can, you can trust more defensively aren't good enough defensively to change the calculation of uh, Svi Mikhailuk being better or having more potential at least than some of these other guys offensively. If it's up to me, I'd get Svi in there, get Christian in there, kind of see what they've got uh, a little bit more than they have, uh, a lot bit more than they have in these first couple games. My second biggest takeaway is it drove home the point that I think 500 without Blake is going to be a struggle. That's probably uh, a pipe dream at this point, uh, the absolute most you can hope for in these five to eight more games, I believe, is where I have it. After these two, uh, I think Blake's out a minimum of five. I'm talking about getting reexamined early November. They've got game six and game seven on November 1st and November 2nd. I find it highly unlikely that he plays in either of those. Um, possible, so maybe I should change the... The, uh, the, the ratio of, of games he might miss in there as far as range. But uh, I think the biggest shame uh, about the injury, other than maybe foretelling a disappointing season for him, his health, and furthermore the Pistons altogether, is that this is supposed to be the soft spot of the schedule. you got Atlanta at home. It's a layup. I still think it is. You know, there's a team that lost uh, Dwayne Dedman, Kent Bazemore, uh, and, and, and picked up Evan Turner's contract and his carcass uh, in a trade. They added some young rookies. Rookies are like, you know, uh, Hunter's out there, Reddish is out there, Fernando's out there. I don't, you know, these are rookies. They're, they're not making big impacts in these games. Uh, a couple flashes from those guys, but not all that much. Jabari Parker, who looks okay, you know, looking at Jabari Parker's history, but obviously not a guy that's a high impactful addition to their team. You know, I don't know that this Atlanta team is all that much better than last year. We know from the second half of the year that Trey Young is going to have games like this. And maybe it will continue throughout the entire season, and I'll have to eat some crow, and he'll carry them to a pretty good season. But I, th- you know, and, and and not to say they're probably going to have a better record this year than they did last year, maybe even markedly so, because you got teams like Charlotte and Washington 
who went from the middle class of the Eastern Conference to bad Eastern Conference teams. I don't see a lot of movement from the Drecks as well at the bottom. You know, even the good Eastern Conference teams I really don't think are as good anymore. Uh, Three through six or so in this conference, I think those teams all took a step back this year. Uh, But I just don't don't see enough defense here in Atlanta. But uh, I, I think that... Uh, without Blake Griffin, this is just who the Pistons are right now. I think this is more of an indictment of the Pistons than it is a, uh, a celebration of what the Hawks will be this year. I, I have like zero hope going in that they'll beat Philly on Saturday. That's one of those moral victory games, which you hate to say, but it's the reality of the situations. If they keep it close, cover a big spread against Philly on Saturday night, you might feel better about this team. And I think we all kind of know you're looking at a one and two uh, start going into Saturday. But if we're going to talk about load management, you know, and Reggie, Reggie Jackson is out there again, then I don't know what the goal is talking about a game against probably the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Oh, maybe second. But uh, what's the mission if Reggie Jackson is out there in, uh, in the, the third game of the season on Saturday night? Which brings me to my third biggest takeaway right now. And I would say it's an overall lack of talent on this team. Let's start on the front court. And, and it, it kind of took me back to where we were at last year in the playoffs against the Bucks. Couldn't go toe-for-toe with that team, and which makes a little bit of sense because Milwaukee's obviously an outstanding team. But against Atlanta, I mean, let's start with the front court. The elephant in the room, a lot of people are talking about him. Thon Maker. And I'm going to throw Markeith Morris into this mix as well. Everyone's talking about Thon. Uh, again, I'm going to take the cautious approach on him. I'm not ready to throw in the towel like a lot of you guys are. Um, certainly not optimistic that he makes huge strides this year, but I could see him, um, you know, being off of the team next year, but possibly growing into a, a useful bench player down the line. But it, honestly, I'm more worried about Markeith Morris. Uh, this pickup feels a little bit lemony to me so far. You know, there's a reason he was a biannual exemption guy coming off all the injuries. Um, the shot doesn't look like it's there right now. Nothing really meaningful on defense so far. You know, at least Don Maker's making those blocks out there. But uh, but Morris, you know, there was that play that we all saw that was emblematic of maybe where he's at in his career right now. In traffic, tried to go up strong against Alex Len and, and maybe uh, John Collins. I'm not sure who the other big man that was underneath in there. But, you know, Morris just got swatted. And, and not only that, it was like it wasn't close to not being swatted. It was like a regular Joe going up against big, more athletic NBA players. Uh, I feel like that's concerning. And, of course, he gets the technical foul. The next came time down after the dunk, yelling at Tony Brothers for a foul on a play that didn't look like there was a foul uh, watching the replay of it. And, you know, and I was courtside for this game right, beside, right behind Mason. Um, again, there's just not a lot of guys that you feel good about making plays consistently, especially on offense. Now, um, maybe it would be a lot different if I'm back there on Saturday night, which I will not be. But uh, maybe the tired legs aspect plays into it quite a bit. But we talked about it yesterday in that Derrick Rose, Luke Kennard, and Andre Drummond are the clear two, three, and four most talented players on this team. And it's not close right now. And uh, it's just 100% imperative that those guys all need to have very good games for the Pistons to beat most any team in the NBA. Sure, they can get by against the Charlottes of the world, possibly with off nights from one, maybe two of those guys. But that's not a good situation to be in when we're talking about, uh, you know, a post uh, prime of his career, Derrick Rose, Luke Kennard, who's still growing into the player that you hope he, he turns into. You could see the maybe the 
ins and out of consistency and, and, and shades of inconsistency thrown in there. And we know that the type of player that Andre Drummond is, um, game one showed some positive strides, obviously, but to, to suggest that he's going to be, you know, very, very good for, you know, 65 plus games a year is a bit of a stretch. So, uh, especially with Reggie being out, um, and, and he's basically out right now, let's be honest. Um, and that wasn't a big takeaway for me because I felt like we already knew going in, watching on uh, Wednesday night, that uh, the Pistons are better off with him sitting a while at this point. Uh, he's working hard. Uh, credit to Reggie Jackson for being out there, diving on the floor, uh, going up for dunks, doing the things that uh, you know he wants to make himself look better, wants to make himself feel better, and uh, contribute however we can. But he's struggling. He's hurt. Uh, and, and when he's missing an airball and some shots like he is open shots, three pointers. Um, a moping Reggie is kind of bad for business. The crowd gets riled up at him. You can hear the hecklers courtside. Um, and it's just kind of a, a cancer kind of at this point, not all Reggie's fault, obviously, but, uh, there's just a long history. One of those relationships, those bad relationships that maybe shouldn't continue on into certainly next season. And we'll see how this all plays out. But I would not put him out there again unless he's healthy enough. We've wasted too many half seasons waiting for Reggie to get healthy over the past four or five years, especially when there's decent alternatives. Let him sit a little bit. See what happens with Tim Frazier in a 20-plus minute role. Uh, see how Reggie responds to rest. Go from there and uh, and see what happens going forward. But um, give a follow on Twitter, by the way, to LockdownNBANet. That handle, it's a collection of all the hosts on one Twitter feed. Really cool during the day to catch up on all the news and even better during a full slate of games at night. And on Instagram, give a follow to Lockdown NBA Net as well, highlighting the biggest stories of the NBA. Up next, we're going to look ahead to Saturday night against the Philadelphia 76ers. That's up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, and a good crowd, by the way, on Thursday night at Little Caesars Arena. The place was rocking in the second quarter when the Pistons played well and took the lead. Uh, I saw, you know, on Twitter, some of the media guys at tip-off were talking about the crowd. And then they don't follow up later and say that, hey, this is a really good crowd. You know, tip-off, nobody's there. Well, yeah, you know, it's NBA games. Not a lot of people are there at tip-off of NBA games. Newsflash there. But like I said, really nice crowd, really loud one at times as well. Um, and I know that a lot of that is to buy one, get one free tickets, that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, kudos to the marketing staff for making it happen. And now it's up to the basketball staff and the basketball players to make it happen going forward. I would anticipate another big crowd Saturday night for the 76ers, one of the uh, you know elite feature teams in the NBA, although you do have Michigan and Notre Dame on TV Saturday night. That doesn't help the Pistons. I'll be there in Ann Arbor, by the way. But uh, let's be honest. You know, Michigan and Notre Dame fans, not as excited about this one as usual. A couple teams that don't feel like they're really going anywhere. Uh, less so for Notre Dame, but not quite the team in the Irish that maybe we expected from the outset. Uh, and we know where Michigan's at right now. But I digress there. 
Um, one other thing that I was dumb about on yesterday's show, and if you listen to the show, you know that I'm dumb about a lot of things, and hopefully I'm not stubborn to the point where I can't admit that I'm wrong about certain things, but I kind of thought that it might be a wash with the first game jitters against the second game of a back-to-back because it's so early in the season that maybe the injuries, which is probably what I thought at the time, the main thing that would impact a second of the back-to-back weren't as big of a deal, the aches and pains of that second night in a row. Well, seeing it in person with my own eyes, it's obvious that the second game of a back-to-back this early might even be tougher than later in some cases, depending on the health of the team overall. But the tired legs coming out of the preseason, guys – you know, are still working their way into shape in some cases. Only five games in the preseason. Training camp was extremely short in the NBA. Um, So I was dumb about that. Uh, So anyways, uh, you're used to that, I'm sure. Philly, um, they open the season at home. We're talking about another team that's coming in here on plenty of rest. uh, 1-0 after Wednesday's uh, game against Boston where they won 107-93. Ben Simmons led the way with 24 points in that one. The Brett Brown's team is spreading it around as they should. Those five starters, um, as good as any five-man five, uh, units in the league with Ben Simmons at the point, uh, Josh Richardson uh, on the wing with uh, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid and Al Horford. Talk about the defense of those guys. Tobias Harris being adequate defensively, I would say, uh, is like by far the worst defensive player out of those five. That's a tough group. That's a really tough group. Embodies Philly. The, uh, maybe the model in some ways that the Detroit Pistons should strive for in terms of the toughness and the defense, knowing the history, knowing the, the culture of the city. And uh, sometimes I feel like Ed Stefanski's doing that, and other times I'm not quite there with that. The second unit is where you got to make your hay against the 76ers, unproven, untested, maybe not as bad as, as you might have thought, though, when you talk about four guys like this. Really interested to see Matisse Thibel. Out there, I didn't watch the Boston game, so interested to see how he looks. Uh, you got Cork Maz, you got James Ennis as well, Mike Scott. None of these guys are world beaters, but uh, Thibel has the potential to be an elite defensive player and uh, should be out there with some of those starters. If Brett Brown staggers this well enough, you know the, the 76ers are going to have you know the three best players on the court uh, very often. You know, if if Drummond's having a good game, maybe he squeezes into that sometimes but I'm just picturing different rotations and different units that both coaches could throw out there and thinking about the talent disparity between these two teams you know Philly is really good obviously Um, and then the other you know kind of the elephant in the room again is uh, there's the Andre Drummond thing with Joel Embiid Uh, my soul uh, the part of me that's a fan still my soul is kind of broken about that it's kind of like Harbaugh going up against a good team or relying on the MSU offense to get it going in football, uh, you just know at this point that it's not going to happen. In in a sick way, uh, Joel Embiid enjoys it a lot, so it's not like he's just going to come in here and mail it in and, and lay down uh, for Drummond. So it's almost refreshing to have such low expectations going in. And one of these days, you know, Andre Drummond, if he wants to take that next step, if he wants to be, you know, something like a max player going forward. Uh, looking at $38 million a year, that kind of thing that he wants and he envisions to be signing on the dotted line someday in the in the future, um, you know, that's got to turn. And he's got to step up in these games, and I know it's a bad matchup for him. And we know that uh, Joel Embiid uh, toys with Drummond uh, for the most part. But let's see if it gets turned around. Let's see if this is the game that uh, Andre is able to dig deep and, and, and get, not, if nothing else, get kind of a moral victory 
get uh, going in the right direction once again after uh, such a great start to the season Wednesday night and then a disappointment on Thursday. So let's get it on and let's see what's happening. But otherwise, uh, most importantly, what's happening is the national shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Lockdown NBA is out there, daily bite-sized look at yesterday's action and also what's upcoming around the league. Rejecting the screen with Noah and Adam there, a great wide-ranging NBA talk on Tuesday, and they got long-form interviews on Thursday. And then, of course, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan with the Hollinger and Duncan Show once a week with the amazing insight of John Hollinger and also Nate Duncan as well, two guys that uh, you should know, you should be familiar with. And if you're not, they'll make you a smarter basketball fan if you listen to that show. But thanks for listening to the Locked on Pistons podcast. Uh, Get in to us with Himalaya. Subscribe on your, your podcast feeds, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, wherever you get your podcast, get the subscription going. Give us a rating and review. Those really help, especially in this uh, wide, vast area of podcasts. One pops up every day where I'm like kind of cringing, like Ugh, another Pistons podcast. But anyway, uh, give us a follow on social media, all that stuff too. And uh, we'll come back Monday, break down the 76ers game. I'll watch tape of it probably Sunday sometime. And we'll look ahead to Indiana on Monday as well, see what the weekend takes us. And uh, commiserate here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, talking Detroit Stones, and we'll see where this wild ride is taking us. This is your host, Matt Shook, saying have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.